Welcome to the Simso Sessions podcast, where today we are talking about keeping the lights on through the darkness of depression. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the Sim Soul Sessions podcast. I wish for you all that is healthy and happy for 2021, good health, strength, joy, and prosperity. Thank you for listening in to this, our seventh episode on our podcast journey. I am tickled pink to see the effect this podcast is having, the impact it's having here in Jamaica, in the US, in the UK, Canada, and all across the world. Thank you, wherever you are in those countries and wherever you are for listening. So I think this podcast is a great one to help set the pace for the rest of this year. In today's session, we're revisiting one of mine and judging from the feedback, one of your favorite and one of the most, one of the most impactful sessions we have ever had in our two-season history. One, because of the awesome young man who laid himself bare about his journey with depression. And two, the role of his friend, whom he credited with saving his life just when he had decided that he was ready to give up. Television personality, Dwayne Exton, is on tap for today. So we're going to take a trip back to when he was a guest on the show, and then we are going to catch up with him to see how he's doing now. Please remember, everybody, that you can watch this episode as it aired in full online at Simone Clark Cooper on YouTube. But before then, let's take a listen back. So ready, guys? Let's go. In tonight's session, we talked to friend and colleague, Dwayne Ekstahl, about his struggle with depression and the ultimate journey of victory from a very dark place to living a life of purpose. Dwayne, onset. Thank you for being here well, the with toughest, us tonight. The toughest part about being here is that I have almost all my teachers here. All your teachers yeah. are here. <laughs> yes. This is a sign. So all the cameramen and who helped you through and yeah. myself. Yeah, so yeah, we had a little thing at the start of your journey. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Helped you up. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you're here with me tonight. We have a lot to get through. We don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to jump right in with your permission and probably cliff note mm -hmm. um, some of this stuff to get people up to speed. I'm going to start when you were nine, shy of, shy, two weeks shy two weeks of ten years ten. old, yeah. when you lost your dad. Yeah, it was, your dad told you he was not going to live to see your 10th birthday. Yeah. And, and he died two weeks before your 10th And that's birthday. tough to remember and tough to think about because when you hear that from the person, of course, I love my dad the most. And my mom, you know, I wasn't as close to my mom as my dad, but I love my dad and when he told me that, he's been telling me that for a while. My aunt can tell you. She's, he's, he used to say that a lot. But when he passed, and I was, I was devastated because the person you love the most is gone. You know? And it's in that moment where life just it went a different way for me. You um, had to grow up. Fast. So you're 10. Fast. Yeah. You had I your was, mom mm -hmm. and your two younger two sisters. sisters. Yeah. How does a 10-year-old take care of mom and two sisters, because that's what your dad told you to yeah, do. Yeah. Even before he passed, he would say, you know, make sure you take care of your sisters and your mom. Um, at 10 years old, what much, what much can you do? Um, what I did, though, I helped my mom around the house. And I'd go to the um, market. I'll be with neighbors, and I'd carry bags. I'd come home so my mother could cook the stuff. So I'd try to, 
you know, ease some of the, the pressure. So I got to, the, the, to pay the bills um, at 12 years old when I just started high school. So mm -hmm. water bill, light bill, I go and pay those. So she would go to, go to work and didn't have to leave work. So I, I took that kind of responsibility on myself. But the biggest one for me was to ease her burden financially. Right. Um, so that's where, where sports came in for me. Right. I used track and field as my medium to you know, help my mom not pay for school, high school and college, college Cause especially. Because you got, you got scholarships. Yeah, I got a scholarship, a track, right. track scholarship to University of Alabama, um, Tuscaloosa, and then I transferred to Texas Tech. So that part of my life, um, my mom didn't, the only money she spent was probably $50 when she sent it to me. Because uh, she said she felt bad. You know, I was in college. I didn't call her and ask her for anything. Um, so she sent me $50. And I think I still have that $50 because I'm not going to spend oh, it. Oh, gosh. Do you, do you really still have yeah, it? Yeah, I, I do have it. $50. US dollars. I'm not going to spend it. Um, because I, I made my, my dad a promise. Uh, I'm going to keep going on for him, my mom, and my sisters. So you went abroad. Um, you got your education. You did your track and field. You had dreams of Olympic glory. Yeah. Those changed while you were there. Because you, you found out you just wanted to help people who you saw in unfortunate circumstances. And, and it's, it's not so much that I saw, but I experienced it in a way that people are going through a lot. And, I, and I'm always hesitant to tell my story because I don't think my story is any more special than anybody else. Because people are going through far more than I'm going through. But it's, it's tough watching people hurt. It's tough watching people go through pain. And... I, I don't want to put myself in a place where my hurt is greater than theirs because sometimes people have lost both, both parents. Mm -hmm. I met kids in high school who lost both parents, whether it's the violence, whether it's in the wars, they've lost parents, they've lost family members, and they still go on. Right. And I saw that, I'm like, life isn't all that terrible, but sometimes you find inspiration from that. And, you and that's where on. your mentorship, that's where well, mentorship started. Mentorship started for me because when my dad passed, you had people who stepped in to mentor me, men and women who stepped in to mentor me, good and bad. Because I, I, I think I shared that with you. I've, I had an experience where I had a bad quote-unquote mentor who came in and I was 10, 11, started to introduce me to some things my mom didn't know about when she found out. She was upset, so I didn't get to leave the house because she didn't want me to mix up be mixed up in that kind of company. You could have easily gone oh, yeah, down. Yeah. Even now when I sit and I look back, I could have easily, without any hesitation, gone into um, a life that is not glorious. You know, so I, I'm thankful for my mom. Mm -hmm. But I'm thankful for those who could do it when she couldn't. Because mm -hmm. she couldn't do it on her own. You know, my neighbours were, were phenomenal. Mr. Brown, Mr. Barnaby, those two men became my fathers. So you came home. You got a job, <laughs> you started, you continued with your track and field yeah. and you got heavily, more heavily into mentorship yeah. and then you decided that job was not for you, you wanted to join the JDF <laughs> and so you applied to the JDF and you left your other pursuits, you left, you stayed with your mentorship mm -hmm. and then the JDF said. I left everything, it's not just Grace Kennedy, it was, and I'm thankful for Grace Kennedy. Mm -hmm. We were there at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for them, um, Angeline, Don, all those people who gave me encouragement. But I left Grace Kennedy, but I also left TVJ because Patrick had offered me a position to be full-time, and I said, no, JDF is where I want to go. But that didn't work out. And because I had my heart set on serving my country through the, the military, and that didn't work out, I... I That's I, where the real yeah, spiral started. Yeah.
During the show, Duane and I spoke about his mother, and he became incredibly emotional. Why do you cry? Tell me what you're feeling. This is the most inspirational person I will ever meet in life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and she always tell me so it's okay to cry, so I don't have a problem crying. But this this lady, this woman is everything that I wish that I could be. Um, she saved my life when I was younger. She was everything for my sisters. This is the greatest person on earth. Mm. And then Valenita Robertson, she comes after. Those two wow. women, yeah. um, phenomenal. But this woman here, she, and I look at her and I, I see the struggle. I see everything that she did. She went through with me because she went through some things with me. Simone, I tell you, she, we fought a lot. My mother kicked me out of the house one time um, because she didn't like the path where I was going. But she always, always kept me in her heart. Dwayne, you said you were locked in a room for... About two months. Two months. Yeah. You weren't eating. I wasn't eating. You didn't come out. Hmm? You were in a state of depression. Yeah. You had lost about 50 pounds. Well, at the time I was 180. So I'd lost 30 pounds. Like, 30 pounds. Yeah. So now I'm like 205 pounds. And at the time I'd lost 30 pounds. I was like 150. And imagine me at 150. Yeah. And you, 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 you said you really got to a point where you figured that death was a better option than sticking around. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was in bondage in a sense. Um, and I felt hopeless. And in a very short moment, death felt like the better option than to stay here and be uncertain, to stay here and be hopeless. Death felt like the better and option. And what was the root of that hopelessness? I, I've always had direction. Like I've, if you ask my friends, they can always tell you, oh, extra no more to be five years from now. Because primary school, I said in grade six or grade four, I'm going to Woolmouth Boys School. At Woolmouth, I said I'm going to get a scholarship to go overseas. I'm going to get my degree. I knew my direction. I knew exactly where I wanted to go. But I got to a point in my road where it was a cliff. I saw nothing, nothing to the left, nothing to the right, nothing ahead of me. And that was it. I said, yo, I can't go back. I can't go back. Because there are people who in this life want to see you go back. I cannot go back. But sometimes, Simone, you have to step back. You can't have a step back, you know. You have a step back because you need momentum to run ah, and jump. Extar. Yeah. Woo! You have a step back. And it's in stepping back. Um, in, in those two months, I took a step back. I went to a place where it was, it was dark, it was depressing, it was cold. Yeah. But I found my purpose in the All darkness. Right. When I ask you a question, when we spoke, you told me that there was one person when you had decided you were done. You got a call from somebody one day and that changed your life and saved your life. Who was that person? You know, um, I call him Rick all the time. Um, Ricardo Chambers. And other people don't understand the friendship between me and Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo went to color bars at Woolmouth, so we were kind of rival schools, but Ricardo always encouraged me when I was younger, because I'm a little younger than him, but he always encouraged me. And Ricardo... Sim <laughs> yeah. Um, tell him, tell him, listen. Come with. Don't tell me. Tell him. Come on over here. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just sit over here. Oh, yeah, we're just sitting short as me. And you can tell him. Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> you guys are friends. Ah. Ricardo, welcome. Ah, God. Thank you, thank you. Go ahead, Dwayne. We do have a lot of time. Yeah, Ricardo. Um, remember when I was out by my lines, it was a it was a tough time, and I don't think you you know the day when you came and you picked me up and this so he called you. Yeah, he called me. He said, "How are you doing?" And you said, "I'm yeah, fine." Yeah, good. I'm good. You know, I said, "I'm good." And Ricardo said, "All right." And I hung up the phone. And I look a bit after that, me hear a beeping at the gate. Ricardo at the gate, and I say, "Yo, I don't want to come out because me in a bad me in a bad state. Mm. Me here want to cut me skin mark. Me in a bad state. Everything. I'm in more suck up like that. And I was afraid." But Ricardo, he never leave. There the gate, I never kept, kept, kept. I don't want to wake up and people in the community say, come out. <laughs> and he said, brother, you don't look good. I said, Ricardo, I'm done. He said, don't you know? I said, don't need life. He said, all right, come. Brought me and got me something to eat. And he said, you know what? Come with me tomorrow. Can't go to the doctor. Doctor said, oh, anyway, we're in a good state. So Ricardo, kind of brought me back to Oh. To yourself. To life, my brother. And so I carried me to tennis. So I had to come out of the house. And I said to him after a while, Ricardo, what am I going to do? He said, your ex, you have to find something. You've got to find it. And I said, Ricardo, I don't know. I tried everything. He said, you've got to find it. And then the audition for Weekend Smile. And he called you and told you about the audition for Weekend Smile. And Ricardo said, yo, ex, this is it. What him say, this is it. Try it. And And that was it. It was more than just it, you know. He's never left my side. Through every up and down, I have family members who've walked away. This youth. Never, never leave my side. And I hold on to that because a lot of times as young men, we stray away from finding people that love us and we don't want to stay around them because we feel like we're going to disappoint them. Ricardo, he's, he's had disappointments in me, of course. I support Liverpool for Manchester United. <laughs> but he never gives up on me. When I, when I started track and field analysis, Ricardo was my first commentator, well, Eastern in, Champs. You need more than that. <laughs> yeah, Ricardo Chambers, did you know about the effect you were having on this young man? Not completely. I mean, not completely. I've known Dwayne since he was in high school. Um, and we kept in touch a little bit when he went away to school in the United States. Um, and when he came back, we got closer. I mean, I've always felt he had potential, especially in television, especially as it relates to sports broadcasting and um, being an analyst. And so when he came back and he first expressed to me that you know, I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go. I was like, whoa, here's an opportunity to, to grab, as far as I was concerned, one of the youngest and brightest talents mm. um, as far as track and field analysis was. And then he came in, and it wasn't just track and field. He was good at football. He was good at basketball. Um, and then we had all these plans of working together um, within this field and just taking sports media to another level. Um, Take so. over the world, <laughs> pinky and the brain. Yeah. But so. what was it about him that made you know that he needed you in his life and you took him under your wing? Tell me that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, as I said, Duane had a lot of potential. Um, there is no doubt about that. For me, that has always been evident. It's interesting that he points to the, that tennis period because that period, um, I was actually playing a tennis tournament at the Ligani Club and I played like five matches, five days, and he was there every single day watching and supporting at every single match. And for a long time, I actually thought that period did a lot more for me. <laughs> By the way, I don't think I would have won that tournament if you hadn't Not been sure there. Again. I just want to say that, you know, when, when, when you meet people um, who you know deep down who can have a tremendous impact on society, um, I feel like as much as is possible, you have to be there for them once um, you have the ability to do that. Um, but I think specifically with Dwayne, the best thing about it was that we were friends. So it wasn't difficult for me to be there for him. I didn't know everything that he was going through. That's a fact. Um, I knew that he had a lot of questions <laughs> um, about his direction, where he was going, where he could go. Um, and I tried to help him through that as much as is possible. But for me, that was so easy because we were friends. Mm -hmm. And as good a friend as he has said I was to him, I think he was an even better friend to me. Um, so, so, Duane, do you feel like you have found that direction of which Ricardo speaks? Have you, are you okay now? Are you, are you, can you see a direction now? Not exactly. But, so I know, but I know what I want to do. The direction isn't clear but I know what I need to do. Um, it is easy to get back into the place where you're coming from. And I spoke to you about the peaks and the valleys. Yes, sir. When you, when I, when you, when I've, I've gone back to that valley. People know I still struggle with depression, but it's not the same right. because I've been in that dark place and I know what it feels like to be there. So I know that whenever I find myself there, I know this won't last forever. Light is at the end of the tunnel, and then I, I, go, I go again. You know, I don't get disappointed. I don't hold on to the hurt. I don't hold on to the pain. I find a way to rise again because, like your heartbeat, yep, yep your heart goes like this. If it flatlines, you're dead. You know, you have to ride with the ebb and flow of life, and that's what I'm doing. All right, so that was Extal. Then let's check in with Extal now. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? I'm not doing too badly, just relaxing on this nice, sunny day. Is it? All right. Um, Extal, to this date, very few programs that we have done have had the impact that your program had. And even in, in preparing to talk to you, I, I, I watched the episode again. I looked through the comments on YouTube and it resonated so deeply with so many people man woman old young it was incredible that night when you sat in our chair you were very very nervous what was going through your mind at that time yeah and to be honest i haven't watched the episode again i only watched it once but really yeah i only watched it once i don't think i can really go through watching it again because even now i'm still shocked that i've done it because that night I was just thinking, how will people look at me after tonight? Because people people have seen me over the years, whether it's track and field, whether it's on TV doing analysis. People have seen me over the years, and they see what what's on the surface. But no one really, outside of my family, knows what has happened to me in my life. So when I sat in the chair, and I was 
very nervous and even now I'm still shocked that I did it because I've never put myself out there like that. And you know, you don't know the reaction you're going to get. Well, well, why did you decide to do it? I'm curious now, because we asked you, uh, people don't know, this is a BTS, we asked you actually to come on the week before you came, and you couldn't do it because you had a conflict, and then th I thought maybe you were just thinking, I shouldn't do this, but then the week after you were firm and you said, yes, I'm going to come. What, what made you decide that you were ready to open yourself up like that? All right, so that conflict was a conflict I created. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. The truth comes out. So I, I called my boss and I said, you have anything for me to do? Such a tough time. And say, yeah, you know, um, you can do that. So I said, all right. And that was me running away from expressing and exposing myself, quote, unquote. But I decided to do it because I spoke to my mom. And my mother knows my story. She knows everything. I said, there's a young man out there. There's a young woman out there that is going through exactly what you're going through at this point in their life. And if you don't speak, they will go over the cliff that you're at. And if, you, if they hear your story, it may encourage them to step back from that cliff and get ready to go again, you know? So I decided that, you know what? It's, it would be selfish of me on my journey, not share what I've experienced with others. So I was right. Yeah, you were. I was right. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you did it. Um, you said a part of the, the hesitance was, was not knowing how it would be received. How was it received? I, I can tell you the feedback on our side was amazing and still is to this day. How was it received by, by yours, your friends, um, your mentees, even people who don't know you, who didn't know you and didn't know your story up until that time? Yeah, well, the, the reaction was mixed, honestly. Um, especially from my friends, because lots of them were kind of taken aback because they didn't know. They didn't know and Duane. <laughs> they didn't know. I found that so amazing. Yeah, and, and the reason why it was so shocking for them, because in my Woolmouth gear group, I'm the organizer. I'm the dot that connects everything else around in our year group. So for the past couple of years, I kept the year group together by having our functions. So when they heard that and they remember the period I spoke about, even in that time, I was just organizing our reunions, our annual football game, domino, church service. I was doing all of that. So when they talked back to it, and they're like, we saw you, but we didn't see any of that. And some of them were disappointed that I didn't share it with them. But some of them, they understood why I didn't share. Mm. And, you know, it, it's been encouraging because they've reached out to me individually because a lot of them are going through or have gone through the same things. And they say, yo, if you could have got through that, it, yeah, you know, I don't feel bad about going through it myself. You know, mm. because for a lot of them, I am probably the strongest person they know in terms of willpower. And so, so while you were down, like how I broke down. while you were going through all of that, you were still functioning at the top of your game. Yeah, always. Which is which is what happens with a lot of people who are going through depression. People often don't know because they can still function. But people would never understand what they're going through when they don't throw themselves into something in their quiet time when they're not doing anything. I think that's important for people to understand. Oh, yeah, it's very important. Gosh. So you actually changed a lot of lives that night. And you and I know that you saved at least one. At least one. You saved at least one. Um, 
Did it surprise you how much your message resonated, especially with young men who were going through the same thing but were afraid to talk about it? Well, not, it didn't surprise me for young men, but it surprised me for the older men who reached out. Because, Interesting. And, and I probably share this with you. After that night, my Instagram, because I had to deactivate for a while, I got over 500 messages from different people. But almost half of it, or more than half, were older men who would have met me at some point in time or would have watched my career as an athlete or a junior athlete. And then reach out and say, yo... Virgin, for years now, I got through this. Oh my I may have struggled with this, and the night I see a cry, probably the first time I may have cried. Oh like, my gosh, this, Dwayne. This, this, this gentleman was about 50. And he said, when he saw me cry, he, he couldn't help but remember his own his own story. And he broke down, you know. He broke down, and he, he told his wife all that he was going through because he, he had so much pent up mm-hmm. inside him for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. Death of a family member losing it but he never cried he never felt like it was necessary to cry because no one would understand but he said that night when he saw me on tv and heard my words and he heard my voice break in just start ball and then his wife asked him what happened and then that's when they got into discussing all that he has been through you know and it, it, it was empowering for him oh. you know so i know at least one person um it resonated heavily god bless you for that yeah. Um, you do. You say you deactivated for a while. You felt you needed to kind of step back. Is that it? It was. It was a step back in it. I was just overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I was overwhelmed with the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Your WhatsApps that night were like crazy. Well, my, my, my WhatsApp wasn't crazy until a couple of days after, when people really got a chance to re-listen and re-watch, and I had to. I had to step away from it because I didn't know how to. Because people argue give me for help. Um, they mm. wanted to know how I got out of where I got out of. And I couldn't give them an answer, you know, because I said, why? What works for me may not work for you. But I, I, I had a chance to um, direct some of them to the different professionals that I've met who can help with, you know, people who are struggling with depression, people who have any other mental issues or issues concerning self-confidence and self-belief. I was able to, you know, direct them that way. But for myself, people wanted to know more about my story. Because there's a lot more to it, you know, than really me. I, and I shared on TV what I did, but there's so much more. And yeah. when I go to, I've been invited to speak at different functions now. And I get to sh- I get to show the other side of, of, of life, where when you pass a period of depression, what happens after, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you about that a little bit. But first, let me ask you about... The show of friendship and love by yourself and, and Ricardo, that, that touched a lot of people in places that are so deep they never knew they had. Um, I don't think he knew up until that time that he had served a life-saving role in your life. And I don't think you knew at that time um, how much he cared about you because he mentioned at the end the tennis tournament he won and not thinking he would have won it had you not been there. And so that was just such a beautiful display that people are not used to seeing between men anywhere publicly. Um, ho- ho- what did that What did that encounter do for your friendship? Has it strengthened the bond? What 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 did that mean for the two of you? You know, Ricardo and I, our friendship. Nothing really changes it. You know, whether good things happen or bad things happen, nothing changes it. It's just that constant. He is 
there for me, I'm there for him. And we still don't speak every day because he's on vacation now and I'm back at work. But we talk every now and then about if an interesting story pops up, he'll send it to me. I'll read it and I'll, if it's if it's good, we'll talk about it. If it's not, I'll tell him stop wasting my data, you know, kind of thing. But it's banter between here and that. But when he when he mentioned on the program about the tennis tournament, it, it kind of shocked me because in my mind, I was just there to support. Mm. You know, I didn't think of it as, as me being so, or me or being having that major impact on him winning that tournament. But I remember there are moments when, because... The athletes in me would always try to push him because he was, I remember at the semi-final, he was down a set. And had he lost that set, he would have, he would have dropped out of the tournament. And I was there and I shouted in a top of my voice. And it was, I was the only person. People were looking at me weird, but I, I knew how important it was for him in that moment. Not necessarily to win, but to not give up. Not, right. to, not to not stop fighting. Right. And, uh, you know, all that happened that night on TV. I think what touched other people the fact that we hugged on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because people say, "But two men are hugged on TV," and I say, "Oh, I hug my I hug my bridge member all the time." You know. Yeah, you are a hugger. Yeah, now with well, COVID, no, I I kind of feel a little weird because I can't hug them as often as I want to. But the people I love, the people I care about, I have no problem. Giving them an embrace because mm-hmm. that's how much they mean to me. And I hold someone, you know, I hold them from my heart. Mm-hmm. But I pull them to my heart. When I, I hold hug them. from my heart. I love that. Yeah, man. Speaking of your heart, um, tell us about your mom. How is mommy doing? We didn't get a chance to talk to her. We tried to link with her, but the minute, Duane, you saw her image on the screen, you, you broke down. Um, how is she doing? How is the rest of your family doing? My mother is a superstar, you know, because. <laughs> People in Cayman Islands watched the show, and they didn't know she was my mom. Wow. She, she so, she's just so unassuming, you know, and I remember she sent me a message that came from her church sent to her, and said they didn't know um, I was her son, and people treat her differently now. <laughs> Is it? People treat her differently. She doesn't like it. Is it like, like treating her like a, a star of a, a mom of a star? Is it? Well, yeah, but they treat her differently because she is the star of my life mm-hmm. because of what she has to do with me. You know, wow. I, you may see me as a star, quote unquote, but the real star in my life was her because if it wasn't for her, where I am now, what, who I am now, it wouldn't be possible without her. So the real star is her. So there are people who bring their children to her now. It came out and I said, it's like that to this youth, you know, and she has to kind of be navigating how she go handle with different kids that come to her because she she's mentoring them now. Mm-hmm. You know, so people see her as this... Um, Life changer. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, well, what I don't like spotlight, you know. So when that whole thing happened, she called and said, boy, it's where you But I think she's fulfilling her purpose. I mean, she did a good job with you. If she can help other young people, then that's great. Um yeah. You know, you mentioned now people are asking you about what happens after depression. I remember I asked you on the show whether you were at a point where you could see direction in your life because you said one of the issues with some of the things that happened to you was that it threw your direction off and you have always been a man of direction. You know where you're going. You can see the goal. You know how you're getting there. You used to always tell your friends, this is going to happen by X time and Y time. And you said to me... um, 
I I don't clearly see the direction all the time, um, but now I have the tools to navigate the valleys when I fall in because I'm always aware I'm going to fall in another valley. I still go through bouts of depression, but I better know how to handle them. Talk to me a little bit about that and how you've been managing that since we spoke. One thing I, I want to, I forgot I, I didn't mention in the interview is when I spoke about handling depression now as opposed to then, an important thing that I've learned is that I have to address issues in the moment or address issues when they come up. Because if I move on from the issue and I go a year down the road, that issue will come back in. And if it comes back and I didn't handle it before, the same problems are going to happen again. Yes, you know? sir. So if I don't handle issues that have caused me this comfort in the past, it will come back and it will throw me off every single time. And I think even since that interview now, when I speak about my direction, I I know now because it's a lot to do with the mentorship. It's a lot to do with nation building. I know exactly where I want to go. I want to be in a position where I can have an impact on policies that will affect um, young people. Um, and ju- just Jamaicans in general, that thing that will cause our lives to be better, that's where I want to go. And people say, oh, you're going to get into politics. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Mm-hmm. But as best as I can know from where I am, any policy change, and not just on a nation, national scale, whether it's in a community-based level or a school-based level, any small change, any incremental movement that can shift our thoughts from the path that we're on to a different path and a better path, that's where I want to be. My dream for you is that you land whatever that dream opportunity or opportunities are because you are so passionate about it, doing that I know um, you're already doing an amazing job, but when you get that opportunity to make that even grander impact, just look out world, because you're going to be coming at a serious, serious clip. Um, so you mentioned some of the things you want to do. 2020 was that year for many people. 2021, what are you looking at achieving? You've inspired so many of us. Plans to further mentor? Are you jumping more into public speaking? What what are, what do those plans look like? I mean, people speak about 2020 being that year, but to be quite honest, and my mom said I shouldn't downplay it, 2020 was an amazing year for me because I learned a lot about my resilience, Mm. about the things that I can accomplish. If I could accomplish all that I did in 2020 with the whole pandemic going on, it just opened my eyes to say how limitless my potential is because, Simone, a lot of things happened. Um... I'm not sure if I'd share this with you, but I won the um, top award at work for employee of the year. No, sir. In, you know, you're keeping secrets. What? In the, in the time of a pandemic. And I said, if I can do oh. all of this, especially when the, the curfews came in and we had lockdowns and our entity had to switch to everything digital and everything online, I was solely responsible for that. So in my mind, if I can... and use this word pivot in the way I did in 2020 there's nothing that can stop me from going the limit or going the distance because I'm going to push myself even further because if there are so many restrictions then and I could have done what I did imagine the possibilities you know mentorship I've taken on a couple more mentees I'm done by Joy Tone I just added one this morning because they called and said 
uh, and we need your help. And I say, you know what, my Saturdays aren't full. Well, they aren't as full. So I take on on a Saturday. So I have mentorship from Tuesday to Saturday in various times, you know, because it's it's so much that I can accomplish, so, so much, mm. and my eyes are wide open. Oh, I love that. I love you. You've just come into some self-awareness that is just amazing and you are a pusher of yourself like i'm talking to you now you tell me you get up in at 4 30 to go to the gym you're still training like an athlete even though you've left athletics behind that says a lot about you and your discipline yeah discipline is important i, I don't think i'm doing it because or oh, because i was an athlete it keeps and I, I, I tell you all the time successful people have routines no matter what people might say routines are boring Successful people have routines because it's the process that gives you the results. So if you follow a particular process over and over, it may be more to someone else looking on, but if you've got results from this process, you keep doing it. Fantastic. You know, it may get boring sometimes, but if you're seeing the results, you know, other times we treat goals as if that's the big deal. Goals come from the processes, the system that you imply the system that you've applied to your life. So if I can continue with the system of being disciplined, of being aware of what I have to do, then it will translate into different areas. I can't just keep doing things ad hoc because, you know, I'm going to do this today and then, you know what, I don't feel like doing it tomorrow. It will throw your system off. Mm -hmm. It gets thrown off. Then what's the point? You know what I mean? So the routine and the process is what leads to the goals. Yeah, man. Got okay. it. Cliff Notes version. Love that. Um, so finally, sir, um, a lot of soul sessions fell in love with you um, a little more after this session. Some didn't know you fell in love with you. Those of us who loved you fell in, in love with you a little more. Um, what would you like to say to them as we wrap up this session? Those who want to know you're okay, those who may need an inspiring word to be okay themselves, what message would you like to leave with them today? Well, I, you know, I really want all the, the, the soul sessioners who have tuned in, who have reached out, and who continue to reach out. Because someone, like even this morning, you know, somebody sent me a message. I heard it was Henrietta Morgan. And it's not anything out of this world. She just said, I hope you have a great day. Mm. Um, we got fantastic thinking about you. It's someone I've never met. But every week, she finds, a, her, she finds time to send me a message just to encourage me. And I think about her, and I think about others who do that on a, on a timely basis. And it, it helps, you know. So if you can, wherever you are, just reach out to somebody that you're thinking about. If you think about them, just reach out to them. No questions asked. Just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hope you have a good day. See you soon. Something that will encourage them, because that, that's what helps me, you know. And I think it helps other people when people know that they're being thought about in a positive way. Because the world is full, full, of neg full, of, full of negative. And we're not going to deny that. Because there's negative and positive, everything balances. But if you hear a thoughtful word from someone that you care about, and even if you don't know the person as, as much as you'd want to, you hear that kind word, it settles your spirit. And it settles your spirit and allows you to just gently move forward to the day. With that in your mind, so, you know, someone is thinking about me, reach out to somebody else that you're thinking about. And the cycle goes on. And if it settles your spirit, then it eases your soul. And we're all about that on Same Soul Sessions. Thank you, Dee. I really appreciate the time you took to 
Um, update us. Uh, a lot of people will be very happy to hear this podcast because your program was so impactful. We love you. Thank you for the time and every blessing to you, my friend. All right. Thank you so much. See you soon. All right. Take care, Dee. That's it, guys. Dwayne Ekstall. Catching us up on what's going on with him since we last sat all of um, August, I think, of last year. And um, now that we're done catching up with him, it is time for us to close things out with our affirmation. The topography of our journeys is unique. But as I always say, our journeys are comprised of hills and valleys. As deep as some of those valleys are, keep your head down and keep going. Your setback is likely a setup for greater things ahead. Falling down is a part of life, but getting back up is living. They say minds are like muscles and they can be strengthened through struggle, hardship and pain. So know that you are strong, but also that you don't have to be strong alone. Reach out for help if you can't see your way clear. For my part, my mantra is that the grace of God doesn't take you where the grace of God cannot carry you. Navigating the journey is tough, but it is doable. Winston Churchill once said, success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So I'm praying that you find the courage to keep your journey going, to find your value in the valley through each minute of each day, one day at a time. We're affirming today I will pause, but I will not stop. As weary as I become, I have it in me to overcome. with us for this sim soul sessions podcast remember to catch the episode as it aired on tv by visiting simone clark cooper on youtube or just search up sim soul sessions doing extol and watch it in full and watch all the other episodes there as well because there's a whole bunch of them um, that are on that channel i promise you will leave heartened and feeling blessed after you've watched please share comment and subscribe to join the movement Certainly hope you found some soul food here today. Until next time, every blessing. And please remember to count your blessings.